Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. It's great to worship together. Um, for those of you who don't know me, if you're visiting here, um, my name is Thomas. Um, for those of you who've just arrived, come and have a seat if you'd like. There's plenty of space here at the front if you're at the back and you can't see me. Um, I don't know about you, but when I switch on my TV at the moment, when I read the sort of 100 news articles that I'm reading every day at the moment with everything that's going on, I feel like more than ever, it's time for the church to talk about leadership. It's time for the church to talk about leadership. We look to our friends in the US, the leaders of the free world, and you know, we see key leaders increasingly defined um, by being accused of fear-mongering, being accused of lying, being accused of going after the national things for, for personal gain. And I hope I'm not being too controversial tonight by saying it's a mess. It's a complete and utter mess. And it has big implications for our world. And we need to pray for our brothers and our sisters who are stateside. But we can't exactly look at them and sneer across the pond kind of proudly. I mean, let's think almost exactly a month ago, we can all remember what happened. England got beaten by Iceland in the European Championships. Where was the leadership? It was Wayne Rooney's chance to step up. He was the mature figure in the squad. We can't exactly sneer across the pond because many of our own political leaders in this country being accused of abdicating responsibility when it really mattered, being accused of fear-mongering, being accused of fudging the statistics. And when we think about this, we, you know, actually, in this world that we live in, there is an increasing opportunity for godly leaders. Godly leaders like you guys here, ordinary people, who are following Jesus, to begin to lead, to begin to carry themselves in a way that ushers in the rule and the reign of God, of our King Jesus in this world, to lead in a way that points to the one that we are following. There's an opportunity for leaders who refuse to be defined by a narrative of fear, but who lead with love and peace and justice. And that's what I see in you guys. That's why I love being part of this community here. And we're spending time um, this summer just walking alongside Moses. <clears throat> Moses, as you'll have heard in the last few weeks, you've been around, is this incredible godly leader who walked with God for 120 years. He walked with him across deserts and up and down mountains, but also through abandonment, through adoption, through royalty to to murdering, to being out in the wilderness for 40 years. He did this as a brother, as a prince, as a shepherd, as a son, and a leader. You've been through it. He's seen it all. He went through it all. He wasn't perfect, as we'll continue to see throughout this series, but he also was not that far off the template of godly leadership. Listening closely to God's voice, guiding people in God's path 
serving God's people sacrificially. And most importantly, I think, in this passage that we're about to look at, recognizing people's identity and leading them into the promises of God. So there's a slide, Peter, some of that stuff. Listening closely, guiding people, serving sacrificially. And then finally, recognizing people's identity and leading them into the promises of God. And, and yeah, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's another Sunday night, it's more chat about leadership. And some of you are wondering, am I a leader? Do I want to be a leader? What does it actually mean to be a leader? I could never be a leader. You know, if you, if you saw what I was really like outside of a Sunday, if you saw the things that I did when people weren't looking, I'm not good at the front either. And you know, maybe you're right, but I want to put this question to you that I, I reckon we all need to, to grapple with a little bit and answer at some stage in our walk with God in our lifetime. And, and it's really simple. It's just this. Do we want to discover our identity And do we want to help people discover theirs? Do you want to discover your true identity in Christ? And do you want to help people discover life-changing transformation and freedom? Because really simply, that's all we're talking about here. Leadership doesn't have to be this dirty, scary word. And maybe God wants to speak to us today. Maybe God wants to turn our lives around completely today, tonight. Why not? He's God. If we're ready to listen to him, if we're ready to respond to him and take one more step in the path that he has marked out for us. So we've heard in recent weeks the plight that the Israelites are in. From pilgrims to slaves to plagues, God plotting freedom for these oppressed people. And our time is limited today, and so we're going to jump ahead at breakneck speed. And and so I'm really sorry if you're kind of really gradually going through Exodus one verse at a time, but this is a spoiler alert. God, the father of Israel, who loved Israel so much, he called them his treasured possession. He makes a way where there was no way. He called and he safely brought his people out of Egypt. He splits the sea so they can walk right through it. Freedom for God's people. Some people are looking at me, no way, I never knew that. (laughs) And why? Why? Because he loves them so fiercely. He loves them so much that he desperately wanted them to inherit the land that he had prepared for them. He desperately wanted them to step into the promise that he had ordained for his kids. And he loves us with the same fierce love that he loved them with right now. The Egyptian armies, they made a last gasp bid to recapture their hard-working slaves, which must have, if you think about it, kind of built the backbone of this huge economy of one of the biggest empires in the world. But to no avail. And, And in fact, as Moses stretched his staff out above the waters to make a way for God's people. When it was lowered, the Egyptian army, the enemy of the freedom of God's people, were swallowed up. 
And that's where we find ourselves in this passage. Um, So we're going to turn to Exodus 15. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, it's going to be behind me, I'm sure. Um, And we're going to read it. I feel guilty and I apologize for not singing it because it is a song. Um, But in my defense, there's no tune in the Bible written out, so I wouldn't know the tune. So we're just going to read it together. And it's actually an amazing passage. So just enjoy um, hearing the words of this song. From Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger and it consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, and I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. And the people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Until your people pass by, Lord. Until the people you bought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Amen. I'm just going to pray really quickly. God, thank you for your words. God, thank you that this amazing song of worship was documented. And thank you that we get to share in it tonight. And we just pray that as I speak, that you will speak through me. Pray that as I speak, you will speak straight into our hearts and that you will minister to us as a church and that you will teach us as we look to to follow you as your disciples. Amen. Amen. So Moses, Miriam and Aaron had, had led the whole nation of Israel through the most harrowing period in their whole history, really. Imagine yourself. Just for a moment in their situation, you're leading Israel. What do you do? You're stressed. You're overwhelmed. You're also quite relieved. Everyone is looking at you. What next? What do you do? 
honestly, personally, it sounds so exhausting, I probably would have just had a nap, just taken half an hour, just recalibrated. But we see what they do. And it's very simple what they do. They just worship. God's people just decide to unite in song. They claim his victory and respond with thanksgiving and their newfound freedom. What can we take from that straight away? Are you in a tight spot this Sunday? Worship him. Worship Jesus. Are you loving life? Is everything just going amazingly? Worship him. The more that you notice details like this worship song in the Exodus story, the more it begins to just make a bit more sense about why God chooses Moses and Miriam to lead his people. And on the face of it, they were completely unqualified. Clueless, the guy with the speech impediment, the guy who was totally terrified of public speaking, was the one who was chosen to bring God's message of freedom to Pharaoh. But God didn't pick the most eloquent speaker or the best strategist. God, again, chose to powerfully use those who brought nothing of themselves except for a bit of courage that loved him and who were worshippers primarily of him. So here's the thing. If, if you want to lead people, if you want to lead people into freedom, into greater freedom in God's kingdom, Worship Jesus. Put worship first and strategy second. Don't get me wrong, having a plan is important. We need entrepreneurs, we need leaders who see the world with different eyes of opportunity and faith. But unless we are worshippers of our King Jesus, it's basically just all hot air and even idol worship unless we are totally surrendered to him because fundamentally all God cares about is our worship nothing more nothing less he just wants us his children to know who he is and he wants us to really enter into relationship with him disciples who are committed to laying down their whole lives because what happens when you lay down your whole life is that he raises it up again and it's better than you ever thought it could ever be and you're sent out again on the craziest adventures because you're full of his spirit. Picture what it must have felt like to have stood there on the other side of history's greatest miracle. Well, almost. Singing your heart out in worship to the God above every God because he's brought you freedom like an open bus stop parade after you've won the FA Cup final. We did it. Can you believe it? Even better than that, because the FA Cup isn't what it used to be. Israel unified in thanksgiving. Moses, Miriam and Aaron, they'd cultivated this lifestyle of devoted worship and and that's how they led And that's why they were exceptional leaders. If you want to see God's kingdom come, do not set up one single meeting before you've worked on your habits of devotion, of prayer, of worship, of of just intimacy with the Father. And if you have to have a meeting, it can be a prayer meeting or a worship time. But I didn't tell you that. Because why? Because the single thing that will put terror 
complete and utter terror into the heart of the enemy is a follower of Jesus who just really loves Jesus, who just really loves to spend time with him, who just really gets the whole intimacy, who really gets the whole, I am his beloved and he is mine and nothing can separate me from his love. It's unstoppable. That's why they sang this song. And as someone who has a go at writing songs from time to time, I do, it is painful when people try and pick apart your song or go through it or you ask for feedback, like, like a kind of biology essay. And you're just like, it wasn't really like that. I just read it in five minutes. But nevertheless, we're going to go through this song in a bit more detail while looking at how we can cultivate this lifestyle of worship that these leaders um, example to us. So, so firstly, number one, they stopped. Verse one, they crossed the Red Sea and then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. So how are we supposed to recognize Holy Spirit's work in our lives unless we actually take time to stop, to stop and reflect on God's goodness in our lives? If you're anything like me, and I hope you're not, but maybe you are. It's just on to the next thing. It's just on to the next thing. Society tells us that the best leaders are the ones that work harder than the rest of the team. You get to the office first, you leave the office last, you fill up your diary with more things, more meetings, so you can prove to everybody else that you are a good leader. On the other hand, Jesus talks about this unforced rhythm of grace. He talks about the law of indirect effort. He asks us, like Moses, to stop and take time to hang out with our Father. And he doesn't just ask us. He says, you want to be fruitful. The most fruitful thing you can do is you stop. If you want to go wide and you want to see this nation and this world completely changed, then you better find space to hang out with him. And you know this stuff, it actually works. It actually changes us. People that have discipled me, who have mentored me, who have inspired me over the years, they all share one thing in common. Yes, they've achieved amazing things and they've moved mountains with God's spirit, but generally they all know how to stop. And they're not afraid to stop and worship, to stop and pray, to stop, even in the midst of complete and utter chaos and seek God's voice, and worship Jesus, and receive from him. So the question is, as you lead people into freedom, what's going to mark out your leadership? When are you next due to properly stop and celebrate the freedom and salvation that God has brought you? So they stopped and they also sung. Verse 1, verse 2, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and he is my song. He is my God and I will praise him. This, um, you may not know, is the first ever worship song recorded in the Bible. And the kind of main thought that hit me was how bad it must have been. They must have been all completely clueless, singing in five, six different keys, all singing at different time signatures. You know, you can just picture it. Right, guys, three, two, one, let's... I'm not sure it really worked. Thankfully, we've had a few thousand years to practice. And may I say, you guys are sounding amazing tonight. Well done, the band. We're very lucky to have such an amazing band. I just want to talk about singing just for a second. The physical act of singing is 
amazing. It is a gift from God. If you have a voice tonight, do not take it for granted. Thank God for it. We are physical beings. We are created to interact with our maker, not just with our intellects and our minds and our thoughts, but with every fiber of our being. And we get to do it together. Isn't that cool? Every culture, every tribe, the sociologists, the anthropologists have studied one thing in common, the singing thing, as weird as it is, because it unifies a group of people instantly in this incredible way that crosses cultures and colors and communities. And, and probably most importantly, it forces us to be vulnerable with one another. So if we can be vulnerable enough to walk around with our phones around this city trying to catch fake animals <laughs> that don't really exist. If we can be vulnerable enough to do this, and, and this church is actually an official Pokestop, just so you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, if we can be that vulnerable with one another, then hopefully we'd be vulnerable enough to lift our voices together in worship to the King of Kings, even if we don't sound like... Zach and the guys, or Pavarotti, or whoever it is. So they stopped and they sung. And our main focus tonight is that they remembered. They remembered God's actions regularly and as a family. Your right hand, O Lord, it says in verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. And our enemy is so very, very real today. But we can't always see our enemy. When you've been freed from generations of physical slavery, of beatings, of being treated like dogs, like the Egyptians had, then you know what, you'll find that song of freedom pretty easily. I think it comes straight off the lips when that's what you're dealing with, because you know and you knew who your enemy was. But honestly, when I read this song, I find it difficult sometimes to relate to the horror that they'd lived through as slaves. I I haven't experienced that. I've always had enough food. I've always had a place to live. Do you know what? The enemy is pleased, really pleased. He's delighted when we can't connect to God in worship. He's working really hard, even tonight, to numb us to the truth of the glorious way that we've been saved by Jesus Christ. The glorious way that we've been rescued, us, you guys, rescued from bondage, in slavery, rescued from our sinful desires, rescued from fear, but rescued from death. The enemy wants, to, wants us to believe that everything we have is just because we worked hard for it and we earned it ourselves. The enemy wants us to show up each day, every Sunday, thinking, why am I here again? What is it that we're doing here again? And that's what will happen unless we stay alive to God's presence, to God's provision. So I want to talk a little bit about remembering. I've been quite heavy so far, so I'm going to just break it up with a story. Um, I'm just back from a lovely holiday. Some people call it a honeymoon. I don't really really get what that means. I I was thinking about it earlier, honeymoon. Nobody's ever explained that to me. We didn't see many moons and we didn't eat any honey, but it was amazing. Um, One day we tried to scale a mountainside walk in the brutal heat of the Montenegrin sun. And they said to us, go on this walk, it's amazing, incredible views, but one thing, make sure you go either in the morning or late in the evening because it's brutally hot up there. So at 2pm we set off (laughs) 
And there's a lovely picture um, just behind us. There we go. The Montenegrin flag, solidarity. Um, what the photo doesn't show is um, my lovely, beautiful wife running past me at the bottom, careering past me, making fun of me because she was going fast and I was going slow. And then five minutes later, her almost throwing up because she overdid it and pushed herself too fast. And what it also doesn't show is me walking back down the mountainside. You know when you walk up Arthur's seat or whatever and you just haven't done it in ages and your legs are like completely like jelly. Anybody? Just me. And it was just, it was the worst I've ever had, the jelly legs. And we were turning around these corners and it was quite high. And I was in a few precarious positions um, <laughs> at that time. And so I've got two lessons from that incredibly amazing story that I've just told. The first lesson is this, and I want you to listen carefully to this number one. It is never, ever show any sign of weakness to your spouse. <laughs> or anyone at all, for that matter, because it allows you to keep the edge. And you never know when you're going to need that edge. It comes in handy sometimes. That's a joke. But... Um, Lesson number two is, no matter how good your calves might look in a, in a pair of shorts when you're on holiday, there is no substitute for training. There is no substitute for doing things again and again. And, and actually, a mountaintop experience does not make a climber be. In the Jewish tradition, they have this prayer. Um, and it's called this. It's called the Miha Moha. So can you say that one, one word at a time with me? Miha, moha. Brilliant, well done. And it's a prayer of redemption. And it's based on this passage from Exodus 15. It's based on the prayer, the song that they sing after the Red Sea crossing. It's, it's from this song, the miha, the moha. It means, it's just a, basically a translation of verse 11. Who is like you among the gods? It's a prayer that they pray Every day in the synagogue, every day you're reminded about that journey that the people of Israel came on. Every day you're reminded about the, the way that God led you through the desert. When you were at that threshold in life, you've remembered that morning, you've remembered that afternoon that he is a deliverer. And you build up those muscles of faith. And for us as Christians... Verse 11, we get to sing that same song. Who among the gods is like Jesus? Majestic in holiness, he is. Awesome in glory, he is. Working wonders. Who is like our Jesus? Nobody. Not on the heavens, not on the earth. Miriam got it. If you take a quick glance at verse 20, if you read on when you were reading, Miriam the prophet, she burst into her own freedom song into a freedom dance. She, she picked up a tambourine and she kind of waltzed down the aisle and she said to all the ladies, come on, let's keep going. We're not finished yet. Their hearts were overflowing with joy. It's the same song. Her song is our song. Jesus has led us out of the wilderness and into God's family. Jesus has overcome the enemy and, and we are eternally victorious because we are found in him. So what is your worship song going to sound like? What is your response in worship going to look like in your whole life? Because it's more than just a song that rises from here and then stops at, at heaven. 
when we remember what God has done in worship, we actually encounter God powerfully. He isn't just, he isn't a distant, ancient God. He's a present, ancient God, which makes it all the more amazing. How do we know who God is? We know who he is because he has graciously revealed himself to us through history, like this splitting sea episode. When we choose to worship him, we can encounter the living God. When we choose to prioritize seeking his presence every day, he continues to unveil to us his glory bit by bit, piece by piece. Again, um, sorry to cringe you out, but as someone who's very recently married, in this ceremony right here, um, about two meters away with, with Carl towering over us tiny little people, about a month ago, the unveiling process was pretty cool. And actually, it's the same way in some respects that we just get to see more and more of God as we go closer to him as his church. As we remember who he is, as we get to know our God, we commit to growing closer to him every day. And the way that they remembered was such fun. Verse 8, I just love this song. It's so creative. It does not have to be a boring kind of religious thing, encountering God, remembering him. Verse 8, by the blast of your nostrils. That's one for you hay fever sufferers this July. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. It's amazing. Don't you want to encounter God Almighty? As we're getting to know Moses over this couple of months, encounter with God was the most distinguishing thing around his life and around his leadership. Just think about what we know already. The burning bush, an encounter with God. The open sea, an encounter with God. The holy mountain as he gave the people of Israel his covenant. If you want to encounter him, remember what he's done and get on your face in worship. Because he's amazing. Seek him and you'll find him. He promises this stuff about encounter. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. David said, one thing I seek. David, another great titanic biblical leader. One thing I seek. Just one thing to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So they stopped, they sung, they remembered and they encountered God. And finally, they looked forward with hope. In Moses' kind of epic first ever worship song, he switches from past and present and he moves to the future tense. Have a look at verse 13. Verse 13, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling and into the promises that he had prepared for them. Worshippers are historians. Worshippers are historians. They're not just wild, blind optimists that just hope for the best. They know that God is a deliverer, so he will bring freedom into our lives if we ask him. He's a healer, so he will bring healing into our lives. That's what he does because we've seen him do it in scripture, in our lives. This isn't just 
fantasy when we say that we believe that God heals and he delivers and he brings you out into freedom. It's because we know that's who he is. He's a provider, so we can thank him for what he's going to pour into our lives, even tonight, even if we don't have much. And we need faith. We need historical faith like that in our world at the moment so we can pray for all the crazy stuff that is going on too. And that is what's going to change the prayers of people that know what God is capable of. This is Moses and this is Miriam's legacy to us as leaders. So this is their gift to us. So if you want to receive it tonight, they had been through something amazing, this Red Sea crossing, but what we have experienced, believe it or not, is even greater. We have experienced covenantal, non-negotiable love and relationship with Jesus. We have experienced this permanent forgiveness. We have experienced the resurrection power of God in our lives. And we have this picture of, of Jesus from Revelation, the ultimate future tense. When our lives will be perfect, when we won't worry about a thing, when, when all we have is pure worship with, with how we offer up our lives. Listen to this from Revelation chapter 5. Just a little snapshot of what might be going on in heaven right now. There were four living creatures and 24 elders and they fell down before the Lamb. And that's Jesus the lamb we were singing about Amelia each one had a harp and they were and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people and they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and we are part of that kingdom we are those we are this priestly nation and they will reign on earth so we've been built we've been made to worship for eternity so my very simple thought is that we we might as well just get started now if we're up for that worshiping the lamb who's taken away the sin of the world Moses he went deep with God first and he was used powerfully in his lifetime. So the question for us, what's going to mark out your life? What's going to be your legacy of how you follow Jesus? He was an incredible leader because he, he, he pointed to somebody beyond himself. He pointed to greater love, to greater power. And yeah, we've been called to lead like Jesus. We've been called to disciple, to challenge, to teach. But ultimately, we've just been called to receive his love, to worship him, and in doing so, point people in his direction, lead people to Jesus. And our prayer for you today is that whatever, whatever big plans that God has marked out for you, whatever um, prophecies you've had in your life, whatever journey he's got you on in mission, in discipleship, in adventure, that it starts with worship, that it starts with relationship with the most amazing God. Because this is the leadership that will change our world. That's what I believe. Worshipping leaders, Jesus people, bringing peace, 
bringing his justice, bringing his love into every crisis, into every situation. That's it. Should we pray together? Should we stand together? Should we do that? The band are going to come and get ready. And so we're going to do just what we always do. Just going to take a bit of time to reflect, to tune in, to really listen, to ask God, whoa, that was all great, that all made sense. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. What is it, God, that you're really saying to me? And so Holy Spirit... You are the way that God speaks to us. You come alongside us and you minister presence of the Almighty to us. So we just say, come and do your thing. Come and bring freedom from our weary and burdened hearts. Come and remove things that have seemed like there's no way forward. We don't know which way to go. We're stuck. You are the God who makes ways where there are no ways. You're the God of the impossible. You're the God who leads us and guides us. You're the God who comes alongside us and speaks words of love and identity. You're our Father. I wonder whether we just want to lay some things down. Think about the cross. Think about all that Jesus has done for you, that he laid down his life and he took his life back up again um, because Father God defeated death forever. And we can share his resurrection power. I, wa- I wonder whether we might just want to lay some of the plans that maybe even he's given to us, just lay them down tonight. Maybe it's just felt really heavy that you've been carrying this around and that it's just not working. We lay it down with you, Jesus, knowing that you are the one that brings fruit. And I wonder whether, as we were talking about leadership as well, and the way that Moses led and the way that that Jesus led and asked us to lead whether some of us might just want to kind of hit refresh a little bit tonight and just hand over leadership that might have been tough, leadership um, that has weighed heavily on us, and just hand it back to him. Hand it back to him and just say, I just want to worship you, God. This came, this started out from just loving you and want to see your kingdom come, but it's become something heavy. I give it all back to you, God, knowing that, that you can handle it and that I, I rely on you for, for everything. Maybe you've, never called, maybe you've never answered God's call to really lead other people into their identity. So I just wonder if we can just do something kind of together, but only if, um, only if you really feel like it, it means something for you in your relationship with God. 
Um, if this whole thing about discovering your true identity and leading other people into theirs has really hit home with you tonight, or you just know it to be true around your life, I wonder whether we might just kneel together. So don't feel like everybody needs to do that, but if you feel like um, God's been speaking to you about just laying it down again, giving it over back to him, just kneel with me and we'll just pray. And then in a moment we'll stand together just knowing that it's his power that we lead from. So God, just would you minister your healing tonight? Would you speak in your courage and your boldness? And we surrender as your people again. We surrender all that we are, knowing that we're nothing without you. that we are nothing without you that we are desperate for you and that when we try and and do it all without you when we try and come up with good strategies and when we try and sort the world out without your strength that we're going to fail and that we're going to get beaten up and bruised by this world we stand together And we just say, God, we know that this world is in a mess. And we know that your church and that your people are your plan A in the crises that we see everywhere, in a broken nation, in a broken world. And we want to be used by you. We want to be sent out by you. We want to be filled with your spirit. And so, God, just come and fill us again right now with your resurrection power, God. There's nothing like it. There's no power greater. And there's no love stronger than the love you have for your children.